Amen. Well, we are continuing in our Ephesians series. We're not doing a dad-specific message today. We're, we're in Ephesians, and we are staying in Ephesians. And one of the things we've been doing at the beginning of every one of these messages is we've been standing and reading the Word of God together. So we've got the one and only Dave Bresman reading today. So why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet, and we're going to read the Word of God together. Okay, we're going to read from Ephesians 4, 7 to 16 today. Uh, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for good works, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. to turn myself back on we're we're just gonna dive straight in um you guys okay with that let's just dive in but let me share a quick overview of where we're headed so this passage that dave just read for us very simply is giving us an explanation for how church can work more specifically what it does is it talks about some tools that god has given us for how church can be built and what it can actually accomplish when these tools are used. So what I want to do today is, is give some context so it may feel a little bit more like a family talk today as we talk about how we use these tools as a church and what these tools are. So if Antioch is your church home, The things I'm going to talk about are things that you probably have felt before that we're just getting language around that will help you understand. And if you're new here, what this is going to do is going to give you an inside look at how we view and how we operate and what some of the things that go into making church happen according to what God has given us so that we can 
be church and, and do church together. But before we dive into the passage, I want to share just a, a real quick story, and I promise it's quick. Often preachers say that, and it's not a quick story. But this one actually is a quick story. My family and I have been a part of the Antioch Movement of Churches for more than 20 years. The Antioch Movement of Churches is, this is one of those churches, but there are more than 100 around the world, different gatherings of believers. And we've been a part of this movement for, for 20 years. And back in 2017, the fall of 2017, Pastor J.D. and I began having a series of conversations about my family moving here to be a part of what they were launching here in Austin. Because we wanted to be a part of what he was put on J.D.'s heart and what he was building. And so one particular conversation that we had was in Panera, in Pflugerville, after we had said, yes, we're, we're moving here. Panera used to be our offices before we had a space. We used to do every meeting we had in Panera. And so we're meeting at our offices in Panera, and I asked J.D. just really simply, hey, will you describe for me what you want to build? Like, help me see it more clearly. Because I want to help you build it. And it wasn't the answer that I was expecting, but it was the answer that I needed. And it was simple. He said, I want to build a beautiful house. And that answer just struck me. And it awoken something within me that I was like, yes, I want to build a beautiful house too. Why did it hit me? Because it is so much of what Jesus came to do. If you look at John chapter 1, in verse 14, speaking of Jesus, it says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. Jesus became human and made His home here. He made His home here. It says, He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. He came and made a home among us so that we could know what God was like. He further expands on this as he's talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He says, speaking to them, he's asked them a series of questions. And they've given their responses. And he comes back and says, okay, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus came to make his home, and as he's making his home, he's building his church, and he's inviting us into the process of what he is building. We know that he's inviting us into it because of what he says. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom so that whatever you bind on earth, will be bound up in heaven, and whatever you let loose on earth will be loosed up in heaven. What Jesus is doing right there is he's saying, I came to make my home. And how I'm going to make my home is by building my church. And it's a church that doesn't sit back, but it's a church that gates stand still. Gates don't move towards you. Jesus said, the kind of church I'm building is the one that's storming the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not be able to stand against this thing. 
It is a, it is a prevailing church. It will overcome the gates of hell. It will open up those gates and let people out. And I'm building that kind of church. That's the kind of church, that's the kind of home I came to make. And I want you to be a part of helping me build this thing. I'm going to give you some keys or some tools that you get to use to be a part of the building process of what I'm doing. Because I want you to be a part. And I love this metaphor when we talk about church being a home. I love, I love what it gives us because what it, it, we can all connect to it. Because we understand home. We understand homes. And the idea of building a house. Now, for most people in the room, you've probably not built a house. But you, you live somewhere. You have some place that you call home, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a, a house you own or a house you rent. You have a place that you call home. And you understand that within that home, you have different rooms. And each room has a purpose. They have, it's there for a reason. Sometimes homes have rooms that are there for no reason, you know, but most of us, we live in homes where each one has, each room has a purpose. And so when we talk about building church, like how are we building this with God? And specifically as Ephesians 4 is talking about, it's giving us tools for how church is built, for how the house is built, for how we're going about building this beautiful house together. We also understand that this house, Antioch, has rooms. And these rooms have a purpose. They're distinct and unique rooms. And I want to bring you into those rooms because, and I'm going to do it quickly, because this is not what Ephesians 4 is talking about, the, the different rooms we have. But I want to give you a context for how these tools that we're going to get into are used in helping us build this house. And if you have a picture of what the house is, then you'll be able to understand it more clearly. So first of all, we have the living room. We have five rooms in the house. We have the living room. You know, the living room is often the place where people go when they first come in your home. It's a place where you get to know people. It's this warm, welcoming environment where you get to have an initial connection with people. For us, this metaphor plays out in our living room is our large corporate gatherings. Be it United Night, which com is coming up, our college service, or this, our Sunday morning gathering. It is a, often a first point where people can come in and get connected and hear about what we're about. But it's not the only room in the house. We also have the kitchen. You know, for my family, the kitchen is where the deep conversations happen. Christy and I sit on our counters and we share our hearts. What's going on? Things we're struggling with. And we talk more. Oftentimes, these conversations hap happen over a meal. Where, deep, where it goes from initial conversation in the living room to deep heart connect with one another in the kitchen. For us, this is our life groups. It's a unique and distinct room 
where you can get something in that room. You also have the study. The study has a specific purpose. It is, you know, a place where you can work. It's also a place where you can grow, where you can learn. And for us, the study encompasses things that take us deeper into God, deeper into our understanding of God. Things like our Antioch Discipleship School, our nine-month training school, where you jump into growing deeper in my relationship with God with a small group of people where you get teachings every week and you learn and you practice and you get launched out from taking this nine months to really devote yourself to growing in God. It's also things like our our growth courses. Our growth courses are three to four week courses we do in the spring and in the fall that are topical, usually to, to help you mature and grow in your faith. These are study places. These are, this is the study room. We also have the bedroom. Now, every room, every home has a bedroom. Usually has multiple bedrooms. And bedrooms are not the first place you take a guest when they come in your house. That would be weird. Because bedrooms are for those who live in the house. Because they're intimate spaces. They are private spaces often. And for us, we understand we have a need for a bedroom. You know, what they ultimately are about is intimacy. And so we have bedroom spaces in our church. These are things like our Nights of Revival, our conference that we do where we go deep into intimacy with Jesus. We've got an encounter night coming up on Friday night, 7 o'clock, right here. It is a bedroom space where we say, hey, we want to go deep in God. We want to, we're starting in the deep end. We want to go deep in God. It's things like freedom prayer, where it is about taking you deep into your relationship with God. These are our, our bedroom places. They're not necessarily the first door people are going to walk in. And they're not designed to be. Because they're for you to go deeper in God. And the last room we have is a room that not every house has. But it's a guest room. The house we live in right now does not have a guest room. Every room in our house has multiple people living in the room. See, not all houses have a guest room. You know, guest rooms are places where people can come in and then go back out. For us, our guest room is Antioch Global. It is a place where people can come in and then go back out. Where they can find home while they're here. But what they're made to be doing is to be out. Creating other homes. Building new houses in places that need them. That is Antioch Global for us. Each room that we have is part of the house. None of them are separate from it. They're all part of the house. And they're all there for a reason and for a purpose, but they are distinct and unique in their purpose. And we need them. And we need them all. And the beauty of it is Jesus has given us what we need to build this house. 
He has given us the tools, or as he said in Matthew 16, the keys that we need to build this house. So let's dive back into Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll, we'll get into these tools that he's talking about. Beginning in verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says he ascended on high and he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. Each one of us has been given a grace, a gift, a tool by God to be a part of building the house. Each one of us. Jesus said it in Matthew 16, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and you will be the one binding and loosing. You will be the one being a part of building and establishing and setting up the house. These are gifts given to us by God so that we can play a part because he wants us to be a part of the process. And actually, we need you to be a part of the process. You have something to bring and to build that is part of this house. These, these gifts that we're about to get into that... Ephesians 4 talks about are some of the gifts that are talked about in the New Testament. But there's multiple places where gifts are talked about. And each one of you have gifts. And you have them so that you can help build the house. That's part of one of the reasons you have these gifts. There's gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And the cool thing is we're going to be diving into those in a couple months and we're going to be going through each one of those, helping you understand how you can use that gift in your life. But there's also gift in Ro- gifts in Romans 12. But these gifts in Ephesians 4 are specifically gifts that are given to leaders in the church to help build the house. They're specifically for that purpose. And these specific gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And each one is unique and distinct. You know, when you're building a house, you need people with different skills. You need a plumber. You need an electrician. You need a roofer. You need each one of those things in order to actually build a full house. If you don't have a plumber, it's going to be a weird house. So you need every single one of these different gifts that we're going to get into in the house, in the building process. But we have to understand that each one of them is going to bring something different. They're going to bring a unique perspective. They're going to see things differently. If you lay out the blueprints of a house before different craftsmen and tradesmen, what you're going to see is the the electrician's going to ask questions that the plumber's not. They're going to see it from a different angle. And we need them to all see it if you actually want to build something complete, something that can actually house people and keep people warm and, and help people grow. Each one of these things, the reason I, I have to, not have to, I want to say that, is because each of us have, when we get into these gifts, uh, one that we lean towards. Whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you have one that you lean into more than others. 
You have one that you identify, you connect with more. And probably even here, the one that you connect with most is the one that you see that we're doing and the one that you see that we're not doing. Or how we should do it better. Or how we should do it more. Or how we should put more emphasis there. I know I do. I have a leaning towards one. And I view it through that lens. Because that's the lens in which I see. But it's not the only lens that is needed. So see through your lens. But understand that your lens doesn't see everything. And so we need all of them coming together to build a full and complete picture, a full and complete house. All right, so let's just dig into them and let's see what they are. First, it says we have apostles. What are apostles? Apostles simply means one who is sent on a mission. You know, really they carry a vision from God to to serve people by awakening dreams and potential. They see what's possible. They, they're catalyst for possibility. Not just in like a city, like what we're trying to do, but in people's lives. That's why they build things. Because they see what's possible. And they, they look and they're like, this could be different. This could be more like heaven. This could represent God better. And you could help do it. They bring people in to what is possible in God. They usually have big ideas, and they, they often move at a pace that is faster than most people know how to run with. But it's because they see what is possible, and they have the ability to help awaken those dreams and that potential within people couple of questions that they often ask, and I want to just give you an overview of each one. There's a lot more that we could dive into, but let me give you the quick overview. Some of the questions they ask are like, where are we going next? Um, what area of significance needs to be challenged or changed? Who can we send out? You know, those are the kind of questions they're asking as they build church, as they go about establishing their part in what God has asked them to build. Next, you have prophets. You know, a prophet, they're, what they're doing is they're helping reveal God's heart and helping people connect to his voice. They're helping reveal his heart and connect people to hearing God's voice for themselves. You know, one of the ways I like to describe it is they tell the story behind the story. That's what they, they do. And, and being someone who, this is, this is where I lean. This is where I see. This is the grace that's been given to me as I go about being a church leader, building church. This is what I bring to our team, is in this gift. You know, what I've learned over the years is that I have to be a part of the team. I can't pull away. You often see that with prophets. People that have this gift. And now let me be clear, I'm not saying I are the prophet of people, okay? I'm saying this is, a, a, this is how I see. This is the tool God's given me to help our church build and become what it's 
the come, okay? This is just some of the questions that I ask. But often what you see with this is people who have this gift can tend to isolate and pull away when what they need to do is push in. Because they see something that sometimes what we see, we don't know how to put into words. So we need the other gifts around us to help translate it and make it digestible. We need other people around us to help us make sure that what we're seeing and what we're feeling, what we're sensing is accurate and not just indigestion. <laughs> Some of the questions that a someone with this grace on their life is going to ask is, what's heaven's perspective? What does God want us to see? What does God want the people to hear? All right, I'll move a little bit quicker. Evangelist, I call these people the walking invitation. They are walking invitations that help invite other people into God's story. And they're incredible at this. People who have this grace on their life, it's not that they're just great evangelists. They're great at catalyzing other people to share their story about what God's done in their life. You'll, you'll, Pastor J.D. has this. I mean, he's a walking invitation into God's story. But more than that, he's a walking invitation to you learning how to share God's story. That's what it does. You know, what evangelists are often asking is who's not here yet? They're looking around a room like this and not thinking, this is not meant to be mean to you. But they're not thinking about you. They're thinking, who's not here? And how do we get them here? That's what they're asking. That's what they're thinking when they're asking questions about the house. They're also looking at a city. They're looking at culture and saying, where is darkness on the rise? Because that's where I need to be. That's where I need to send people. That's where I need to go. Because once we get there, it won't be dark anymore. All right, pastors. You know, a lot of our staff has the word pastor in their title, but pastor is a gift. And these are safe people. They're people that help mend what is broken often within us. They're people that help those, who, those of us who feel like we're on the outside feel like we belong. They have a, a way of drawing you in and making you feel like, wow, I fit here. They're the ones who are often wondering about the people in the room. What do they need? How can we serve them? How can we help them? What's going on in their world? How can we help them grow? They're asking those kind of questions about the people that are in the room. And lastly, teachers. Teachers are truth revealers. They have, they are gifted to break through confusion, complexity, misinformation, and what they see is the connection between personal transformation and clarity of understanding. It's not a lack of empathy that they have. It's a desire to see you obey what is right and true because that's what ultimately will lead to transformation in your life. And so they want to bring clarity and sound doctrine to things 
so that people can experience life. Some of the questions they ask are, is it clear? Is it accurate? And are we building sound doctrine for people? That's what they're asking. All right, so each of these five gifts, they're, they're given to the church, and specifically they're given to church leadership so that they can be used to help build the house. So what sets these five gifts apart from the other gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and in Romans 12? What really sets these apart? See, because 1 Corinthians is going is to teach us that all can prophesy. All can give a word of encouragement, can, can hear God, and then speak a word of life into somebody else. But it's different than what we're reading here. So what's different about it? These gifts are given so that when used, they equip the church. Not so that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teacher can do all the work. These gifts are actually given to equip people for works of service. This is what these gifts are for. It's so that you are equipped to go live like Jesus and become more like him. When they are activated, when they're used in the church, what it does is it helps you grow. It, it helps you mature. It helps you be, be strengthened. Listen to what, what it says in Ephesians 4 again. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Okay, that can feel like a mouthful. What is it saying? When these gifts are used, when church leaders say, okay, I recognize that I have a gift. It's my job to bring it so that we build a beautiful house and to bring it into each room. Some rooms are going to need the teacher more than the evangelist. And so we're going to need more of them in there. Okay, I'm going to bring my gift into the house and I'm going to use it. What's going to happen as church leaders, and not just I'm not just talking about our staff. Okay, well, I'm going to get into that in a second. I'm saying those who've been called and graced by God to lead out in the church, which is many of you too. What happens when this takes place is that people are equipped for good works. That the church is built up. That we get more unified. That our knowledge of who Jesus is and what God is like grows and expands. That we have a guide in our maturity process. We all have a, have, a, have a maturation process that we're going through. And let me tell you, you're not there. 
I'm not there. You know how I know that? Because the measure we're shooting for is the full measure of Jesus. My measure of maturity is not compared to Dave's. I'm not looking at him and going, well, once I can be like Dave, then, then I'll be mature enough. No, my measure is Jesus, and so is yours. That's why I can step into every room knowing that he's got something for me because I'm not there yet. I can always grow. I can always mature. I can always step into more because Jesus is the, the, the target I'm aiming at. And I'm not like him fully yet. There's too many areas of my life that don't match up with his. So I need to mature some more. I need to lean in more. I need to go to the study more. I need to, I need to sit in the kitchen more so that I can mature and grow some more. Other things that happen when these gifts are used is that sound doctrine is established. That we rightly understand what the Word of God says and how to apply it day in and day out in our lives. Sound doctrine is not just knowing the right answers. It's about knowing how to obey rightly and respond rightly to what the Bible says in the context of lots of voices. It'll also mean that we are able to spot deception. We will see, it says evil schemes. We will see the deception. There's so many new ideas being thrown at us, so many new philosophies being thrown at us all the time. When these things are at work in the house, we are able to spot them and recognize them for what they are. When you're in the house, you're able to be equipped so that you can spot them and see them. And the other thing that when these are used, what takes place is that all the gifts find their place. Every gift find its, finds its place in the house. Finds that it's got room to be used. Room to be activated. So as someone who, I mean, I am a church leader. I work here. I have pastor in my title. I'm also one of our elders. I, this is what I do. My gift is meant to be used in service of you, not of me. It's meant to be used for you so that you can be equipped so that you can grow, so that we can become mature together. But it's not just, like I said, it's not just our pastors on staff who have this. It is not just our paid staff who have this. There are people who are graced by God. It says Jesus himself, Christ himself, gave these gifts. He gave these gifts to different leaders we have different leaders in our church who aren't paid on staff, but they have a grace on their life. And it's one of these gifts or multiple of these gifts, and they're used in service of helping us build this church. A couple of examples. We have two, two different elders I want to I point out. Krishna Duriraj is one of our elders. He has an apostolic and prophetic get grace on his life. What he does is he works in the tech space. 
and he's really gifted in that space. But how he uses his gift in the house, what he does is he pulls together other people who work in spaces like that. And he awakens them to the dreams and potential that they could have for the glory of God in the spaces they work in. He pulls people in from our church to help equip them on how do you live like Jesus in your industry boldly and be incredible at what you do. Let me teach you how to do that so that the church can expand, so that the glory of God can be revealed. Another one, Carolyn Grant. She has this pastoral prophetic grace on her life that is unbelievable. She's able to sit with people and help them navigate through transitions in life in a way that they see where they're at, they see God, they hear Him, and they know how to move forward. She sits with people all throughout our church and all throughout the city using this grace on her life, helping people take their step, equipping them. And what's what's happening is they're becoming more mature. They're growing up. They're learning how to navigate life because someone's using their gift, because someone's using their grace. And people are walking out in more. You know, this... This phrase that's used in Ephesians 4 to equip. You know what it it says in the original, if you take it back to the original Greek, that phrase to equip means to mend. It means to mend like you would mend nets. To heal. To bring wholeness. To bring purpose. These gifts, when used, are meant to heal, meant to bring wholeness, meant to bring purpose into our life. You know, when a, when a teacher, someone who's got this grace on their life, teaches what we walk out with is not confusion but we walk out with some clarity we know how to take a next step we get unstuck in life and we get helped you know but these are not the only gifts you know what the gifts what these do what they're made to do is to equip and to actually make room for other people to use your gifts so you may not feel like, you know what, this, I, I don't know that this is me. I don't know that I have a grace to be in church leadership or calling to be in it. Let me tell you, you still have a gift. And it still needs to be brought into the house. Because the house is not complete without it. That's why people don't live in empty homes. You know, one time I... I got invited over to pray with somebody. 
And I'd never been to their house before. And I walked into the living room. And I was a little taken aback because there was nothing in it. No couch, no chair, no coffee table, no TV. And I knew this couple. This wasn't a place they had just moved into. They had lived there for about five years. They weren't remodeling. And they also had plenty of resources. They both had great paying jobs. So they could afford a couch. So I was there to pray with them about a situation. And so we stood in the living room for about an hour and prayed over this situation and talked through it. You know, it was, the prayer was great. The experience was weird. Because a living room is meant to have furniture. See, as a church, I can tell you we've got these five rooms. We've got the living room, we've got the kitchen, the study, the bedroom, the guest room. But if they're empty, they don't actually fulfill their purpose. How do they get filled? Is you bring your gift. You've got a gift of hospitality. We need you to bring it. We need you to, we need you to put that couch in the living room because you've got something. And this house is not going to be a beautiful house without you. We're going to bring what we have. We're going we're gonna to do our best to use the gift that he's given us to do our part. But we need you to do your part. Because this will not be a beautiful house without you bringing what you have. And so we need you. Listen to what it says. The bookends of what we read today. Verse 7 and verse 16. But to each one. Specifically, if you're sitting in here right now, and you're like, I don't, this has just been a regular thought actually rolling through your head. Not just today, but maybe for weeks and months now. I don't have anything to bring. I don't have anything of value. My life doesn't matter all that much. Hear it again. But to each one, to you, who doesn't feel like you have much to offer, you have been given a grace by Christ himself. He has given you a grace it is from Him. From Him, the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love so that each part can do its work. You have a part. You have a part to play. We not only need you to play it, we want you to play it. We want you to bring what you have. We want to see what you got. So bring it into the house. So help us build this beautiful house together. Would you go ahead and stand with me? You know, I'm going to pray, and the band's going to lead us into worship. You know, the, the grace that God has given me is in the prophetic. That's the way I see it. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use what I have right now. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that the heart of God for you would connect. That you would hear Him speak to you. How do I bring what I have? Some of you even need to hear, you have something to bring. So God, I pray right now that your heart for each and every one would be revealed. God, in this moment, we just want to take a few seconds to be silent so that your voice is heard, so that your heart is felt. one in here would experience your heart for them and would hear your voice. They would know that they have purpose, they have value, and they would see how to bring what they have into the house. We pray it in the name of Jesus.